0: Welcome to the GrowthCap Podcast, where we chat with CEOs, investors, and other key industry leaders to uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. I'm your host, RJ Lumba, Managing Partner of GrowthCap. In this episode, we chat with Leo Rinaldi, a good friend and former head of consumer strategy for JPMorgan Chase. He recently wrote Leading Innovation, a book about how the best CEOs today are those that make innovation the central component of company culture. I've known Leo for a long time, and he never ceases to impress. A West Point grad, Blackhawk helicopter pilot, and former McKinsey consultant, Leo is a sought after executive with an incisive intellect who quickly hones in on the one or two key things in a business that make all the difference. We caught up recently to chat about his book. We hope you enjoy the show. So Leo, really appreciate you joining us. you know, maybe what we could do to kick off is just share a little bit about your background. Obviously, we've known each other for quite some time, um, really impressed with what you've done over the years. And now you've written this book, uh, Leading Innovation, which is very insightful. You know, I read uh, numerous books each year uh, in the whole business and strategy space. And this one was was one that clearly uh, stood out. And, and it was a, a very uh, easy read book. Uh, but the, the takeaways um, are, are something that I, I continue to, to think about um, as I go about kind of the business of, um, uh, you know, investing in companies. So um, let's do this. It, you give us some of your background because it's, it, it helps set the stage for um, some of the insights you provide.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot, RJ, and um, appreciate the compliment. So I know we'll talk more about the book in a second. Um, And I've also been very impressed watching you over the years as well, as you know, Um, going all the way back to when we met at, uh, I think it was the Cornell MBA program, Mm -hmm. um, and too many years ago now. Uh, But um, uh, just a little bit on my background, I went to West Point uh, way back in 1997, um, so I've been interested in leadership topics for, you know, 20 plus years, I've basically Went to West Point with the idea that I wanted to learn about leadership, um, um, graduated and became a Blackhawk helicopter pilot and was a, eventually a captain in the Army and had a lot of leadership positions during my time there. Um, and then I got an MBA. That's when we met, of course. And after that, um, I got into business strategy and, and working primarily with financial institutions. So I joined... McKinsey, in their financial institutions group, um, stayed there for four or five years, um, became a manager, and then went on into industry, um, first at Wells Fargo for a year in wealth management strategy, and then um, spent several years at J.P. Morgan Chase. At Chase, I uh, had a few different leadership roles. I was the head of consumer banking strategy. I was the head of distribution strategy and also the CFO of the branch network. Um, and then after that, I left Chase and I'm now uh, a partner at a firm that focuses on consulting for financial institutions called Novanis And I lead their retail banking practice.
0: Fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, I think really caught my attention um, in the book is that you draw from. Uh, examples, um, you know, from the the organizations that you you worked at, um, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think about how to how to fit this into your your framework. But you, you give a really uh, great example of, of of Jamie Dimon, and it was, you know, I'm not sure if you 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 put it in the framework of um how he responded and, and 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 how quickly he responded but maybe mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. maybe we could start start there in terms of you know mm-hmm. examples in the books i thought that was I, I thought that was
1: really helpful yeah and i um and and that that will actually tie into the thesis of the book as well, which which I'll sort of try to articulate as I go through the Jamie Dimon example. And obviously, I, I um, had firsthand experience under Jamie's leadership. Um, I was a couple levels down in the organization, uh, but you know, sort of got to wa- got to watch him operate, got to watch him speak, and his the culture he created sort of permeated um, Chase. Um, and um, the the example I cite is. Um, is basically that, you know, after the crisis of all the big big bank CEOs, he's the only one that has survived. Um, So, you know, Wells Fargo, one of the other largest banks in the U.S., has lost their CEO, um, and also Bank of America lost their CEO. And and Jamie himself had a major crisis. It was called the London Whale Crisis. um, When basically what occurred was there was a multi-billion dollar trading loss That was really happened because of a risk management failure. So um, the bank wasn't managing risk well uh, in this particular area, and the the, the, basically someone was gambling with the bank's money when it should have been. um, um, It was a trade that was supposed to reduce the risk of the bank, and ended up being sort of a gamble that was doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on, and the bank lost many billions. Jamie could have easily lost his job. He was dragged in front of Congress. There was an enor- enormous bad press. But I think the difference between how he operated and some of these other CEOs operated was he reacted and adapted very quickly and very aggressively. Um, and, you know, I give some details in the book about how we changed how we operated, how he curtailed some of the executive compensation below him for those who were responsible, how he fired some people. Um, and we basically changed the whole culture of the bank by the time it was all said and done. And, and he also was willing to say in front of very public audiences, including the U.S. Congress, hey, we screwed up. It was a huge mistake, and we're going to fix it. So I think um, – and, and then just finally how that ties into the broader theme of the book is that you know leading innovation, the thesis of the whole book, is that change is accelerating. There's no doubt about it. And um, leaders have to become much more flexible, much more adaptable um, and drive change and be at the forefront of change as opposed to holding back and resisting change um, in order to succeed in the new environment.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, what struck me was it's like in, in, all, in almost all cases, and I think other leaders will point to this, is integrity is paramount. I think it's Buffett who says that the three three things he looks for in, in, in people are, um, you know, intellect, energy, and integrity with integrity being the, the most important. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I think it was particularly insightful to see that that was part of your framework, even though this is about,
1: you know, mostly about uh, uh, innovation. Um, right, and what, you know, and a lot of people don't think about the role of integrity in innovation, right? You don't really think those two concepts are related. Um, And the way they're related is, is what is integrity? Really? It's it's a dedication to the truth. Um, And it's saying, look, if, you know, if we screwed up, we're going to admit it. If um, certain facts are surfacing that are counter to what we expect, you know, if we're not getting the results we expect, we're going to change it um if something's not working in the way we're treating our employees or our customers, we're gonna we're gonna change that. And so integrity is sort of is very deeply related to a- adaptability um, because basically a lot of times you see a lack of integrity when someone is trying to hold on to a decision they've made in the past that was a poor decision and now they're trying to cover up for it, they're trying to sweep it under the rug instead of surfacing it, um, saying, look, this is a reality that I don't like, but it is a reality. Now, how are we going to change and adapt to that, right? So, mm-hmm. so actually, they're very intricately, you know, intricately related, um, integrity and innovation.
0: Great. Right. And um, the one of the other things that that uh, you know I distinctly remember and I actually think about, you know, fairly regularly, is when you described how, you know, I guess you were trained at McKinsey on how to frame an argument and that you'd ask certain questions, you'd set up kind of the messaging, um, to, you know, maybe the executive at the, uh, at the client. Um, and you'd ask certain questions first because it puts people in, in a frame of mind, maybe reminding them of, um, you know, why you were revisiting a certain topic in the first place. So, um, you know, it, If you could, it would be helpful to hear a little bit more about, you know, about that and and how you communicate Mm -hmm. with people.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, part of what I lay out in the book is that um, envisioning a new strategy um, or a new idea or a new concept to, you know, improve your business or put a new product in the market is not by itself enough. You need to be able to influence others. Um, to change along with you, whether it's getting employees to join you or getting investors to invest in your concept or getting customers um, to sign up for something new. And within that framework, there's sort of a recurring way that you – certain recurring elements of telling the story about change, right? And, and those recurring elements um, are at, at their simplest are simplica- uh, uh, situation, complication, and resolution. Um, and so the idea is situation grounds people in where are we today and why. Um, and part of what I, what I lay out there is when you set up the situation, you're basically explaining to people how we got to where we are today. And, and if you do it properly, it reduces defensiveness. <laughs> in other words, you don't want to come at people saying, Hey, we have to change things because what we're doing today is really stupid. And gosh, the people who put us in these shoes today are really dumb. (laughs) Like that tends to generate a lot of resistance. So instead, um, what you want to say is, look, it's perfectly logical how we got to where we are today. (laughs) Right. You know, and this is the way the environment used to be. But um, complication. (laughs) Things have changed. Right. There's a new competitive situation. There's new technology out there. Customers are demanding something new. So what we used to do isn't good enough anymore. And then resolution. So here's what we have to do now. Um, And, you know, and and you can bring a lot of facts to bear in in all three of those areas, situation, complication, resolution. Um, But by framing it up as a story, it makes it very easy for people to digest, right? Because people love stories. We're sort of naturally geared for stories. People have been telling stories around the campfire for thousands of years since we were cavemen our, our brains are wired for it so um did that is that part of what you were bringing up and or was there another area as well you were thinking about in the book
0: yeah no that that was that was perfect uh, i mean like the, the folks that um are in our audience are uh executives of private companies as, as well as um investors and um i think the you know, in, in almost any business situation where you're trying to make a point, um, the way you communicate is 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 um, extremely important. So, um, and so that's why I, I you know, recall, um, you know, how you frame things. And, and, and I actually think, I, I do think about it uh, quite often. Um, and so now we've, you know, we've covered kind of communication skills as, as well as uh the importance of I- integrity um um which you know i think it, it it always helps to to hear about those to be reminded of the importance of, of that uh, integrity um and then maybe you know we can go straight into some of the examples you give and, and they're great examples of of um, you know jeff bezos and steve jobs and elon musk um maybe if you could if you were to kind of Highlight kind of the, the the two or three things that you think they have in common, and, and um, um, you know, and why those were examples that you chose. Um, you know, that'd be uh, that'd be great to start there.
1: Okay, super. Um, yeah, the so as I mentioned earlier, part of the thesis is that life is accelerating business is accelerating and um, a key driver of that is digitization right we're all living it every day we nobody needs to be reminded of how much the digital technology is changing our world um and you know part of what's interesting about digital technology versus let's say if you go back in time to some of the other big innovations like the steam engine or vaccines or any of the you know television any of these things that were they hugely changed the world 50 or hundred years ago. Um, the interesting thing about digital technology is it affects every single industry um, and every aspect of life. Um, and um, Mark injuries and fam- famously said software is eating the world. And I think we're all experiencing that. So, so, you know, now we're living at the pace of Moore's law, right? You know, digital technology doubling, um, Our digital speed technology is technology is doubling every 18 months. So, so that's the pace we're working at. So the reason I chose those, those three guys is because um, they are at the forefront of showing what successful leadership looks like in the digital age. Right? Each one of them um, has sort of created from scratch enormous value that cuts across multiple industries, Um, And we all know the story of Steve Jobs and how he affected both computers and music um, and movies with Pixar. Um, And, you know, we see it now with Amazon affecting many industries, um, including cloud computing and retail and so on. And we see it with Elon Musk. Um, And so that's why I chose them. And basically in, in the book, I said, well, what is the what's the common trait among all of them? Um, And first and foremost, it is that innovation wasn't one of 10 leadership skills they had. It was the organizing principle. Um, So basically, everything they did as leaders was to drive innovation forward. Um, And so that's what you have to do when you're operating at the pace of the digital world is um, basically innovation has to be the entire organizing principle of your leadership. And so what I did was I built a whole leadership model around what are those patterns um, that come out when you um, organize your leadership philosophy around innovation. And we could talk more about that, but let me pause there and um, see if you have any thoughts or questions.
0: Yeah, no, um, the, the... You know, founding. I think that's that's uh, different in 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 and of itself. Is is you kind of start with the founding principle of of innovating because it's 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 probably the case these days with how fast things move that complacency uh, kills. And and if you're not, you know, on a daily basis thinking about how to get better, and maybe it's maybe it's cannibalizing your own existing products with new ones. Um, But um, yeah, maybe from there, where does the, what should uh, an executive think about next? If, 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 you know, how do they they, uh, implement and maintain kind of a culture of innovation?
1: That's right, yeah. So, So, so what I talk about is there's a process to innovation, right? And it's, and like anything fundamental and basic in life, you know, it's very intuitive uh, once you lay it out and you understand it and, but there's details to it and there's ways you can get better at it and really master it. Right. So the basic process is super simple, right? Um, First you envision, you know, what's a better way of doing things. Um, So there's a process of envisioning something new, um, the second process, as we kind of alluded to earlier, is how do I inspire others to get behind this vision, right? How do I influence other people to join me? Um, and, the, and there's a great book by Walter Isaacson called The Innovators, which basically argues that this whole idea of the lone wolf innovator is, is a falsehood. Um, so a lot of times we elevate people like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, or Steve Jobs, and you almost get this, uh, this feeling that they did it themselves when nothing could be further from the truth, right? They have to, on a daily basis, inspire others. Steve Jobs didn't even know how to program a computer, right? He, he, he was totally dependent on others to to create to make his vision happen. And then the final thing is, okay, you've, you've got a vision, you've inspired others, uh, but you've got to make it happen in the real world. Talk is cheap, right? So ultimately, you have to execute. Um, and, um, you know, this is a little bit where my experience in the army helped a little bit. I always felt like McKinsey, uh, my experience there was, it's a great place at envisioning a new strategy. They didn't do much around execution. And when I was in the army, um, you know, unless you're like the head of the, the chief of staff of the army, you're not doing a whole lot of strategic thinking. You're doing a lot of executing. Um, so I learned a lot in my experience in the army about how do you execute, um, so th- that's the basic process. Um, and then within that, I talk about, you know, different roles that you have to play. Um, um, and we could go more into detail on that as well. Um, but, but the one other thing I would say about this process of envision, inspire others, and then create it and make it happen is you don't go around that loop one time. You, you have to keep going around the loop uh, multiple times Um, And and that's one of the fundamental things you see about the great innovation leaders is they go around the loop again and again and again. Uh, And a simple example is Jeff Bezos with starting with selling books on the Internet. Um, Did he stop there? No. He actually disrupted the book selling industry and the book industry itself by then inventing the Kindle and sort of really pioneering digital books um so he went around that loop again and again he didn't sort of stop with one loop
0: mm-hmm. yeah no these those were uh i, I think great examples obviously we, we hear about them every day in, in the media but it's um uh, but when you really stop and think about you know what they did to create enduring value uh for their companies um uh, you know really all comes back to uh, they chal- it, it was almost as though they were challenging, you know, themselves and their ideas on a on a daily basis. Um, now, when you hear, you know, uh, Bezos in, in interviews, it's 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 fascinating uh, to hear about how he's thinking already five years out because the 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 kind of strategies he put in place are well underway and and can take you know three to five years. Um, so it's so he's constantly you know, thinking about uh, the future um, and the long-term. Um, so, um, you know, I think we, we covered a, a, a good amount and I'll, I'll leave it to kind of the, the listeners or audience, um, you know, to go out and, and, and uh, check out the book. What's the best way for them to, uh, to find it?
1: Yeah, the best way right now is just to go on Amazon. Um, and if you search for leading innovation, Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find the book and um, there's obviously both a digital and a uh, physical copy you can buy whatever you choose mm-hmm. so that's the easiest way to do it
0: okay excellent well one thing I wanted to um, uh, thank you for which I I don't think I've ever done in the past but you know, thank you for your your service to the country and I know it was a long time ago uh, but as I was uh, my, my my daughter this morning um as we were kind of donating some things to uh, to veterans uh, she asked me what who veterans are and, and why we donate um and i just thought to myself um that's a good it's a good reminder um there's people who serve the country and sometimes they're there you know you, you forget it you know you forget to to thank them um for all they did they do and and um you know there's many out there that can't necessarily um uh you know land a good job um and obviously that's not the case with with you but uh I remember that uh obviously you served the country so appreciate you uh um uh, you know all that you did.
1: Oh, well thanks so much and you know one thought I had as you were saying that is you know now that I've been on both sides of the fence and it's been a while since I was in the military so both the private sector and the military I think you know on the one hand there's something we all have in common. I think everyone who gets up and goes to work in the morning, you're serving somebody. (laughs) You're either, you know, you're serving a customer directly or you're serving your um, fellow employees at a company. Um, So to some degree, you know, we all do service in our daily lives. We're all helping each other. Um, And then I I do think there is a special, really service-focused ethos that um, the military has. Um, And it, it was something special, um, that I experienced while I was there. Um, and, you know, a, a particularly interesting thing is, uh, uh, and a lot of people don't maybe don't think about this very much is, um, when I was in the military, I thought very little about money,
0: <laughs> which is
1: ironic because, you know, you, you're getting paid a lot less than you are today, but sort of like you're all in the same boat. You're all living in the same barracks. You're all on the same base. And, uh, and you certainly don't do it for the money. Um, and even the generals, um, really not getting paid that much relative to a private sector CEO. So, um, you know, you're doing it for other reasons. Um, and uh, I, I now that I'm uh, long past my time in the military, I certainly appreciate those folks who are still in as well. But thank you very much. Absolutely.
0: Well, thanks Thanks again for your time. Um, and uh, as always, great, great chatting with you, Leo. All
1: right. Same here, RJ.
0: Thanks again.